Champions League blueprint is back and the band is back together. Not one that can compete on Eurovision or American Idol, anything like that, but one who could hopefully provide some information that will come in handy as we look ahead to the group or actually the knockout round of the Champions League. Gareth Wheeler, Jake Osgathorpe, and Andrew Beasley with you once again, reflecting upon the group stage and looking ahead to the knockout round, the final 16 of this Champions League competition. Uh, good to see both of you. Good to be back together. I can feel your enthusiasm, your excitement as we stand here. We're not busy enough with the Premier League and the World Cup, but hey, let's look ahead to the Champions League. And the group stage is done and dusted. A few surprises along the way. Napoli were outstanding. Atletico Madrid, bottom of the group. Barcelona, they couldn't find that third, fourth, or fifth lever. They're out. They're in the Europa League. Spurs somehow went on to win the group. And Benfica came out on top of Group H with featured both PSG and Juventus. Jake, we'll start with you. What stood out? from you in terms of betting implications or anything that kind of played out in the group stage of this competition? Um, well, I've, I've got to say, I think I had more success on the futures in the group stage than the individual matches. I mean, some of them, given the congested schedule, it's so difficult to try and put a finger on what was going to happen on a, on a match-to-match basis. Um, but yeah, i really impressed with Napoli. They looked they look really good until they went to Anfield and just absolutely laid an egg. Um Porto, I was always quite sweet on Porto doing well in Group B. I thought they were being underestimated. Um, Bayern Munich, I think we were both bullish on, weren't we, Andy, in, in terms of how, how, what their prospects were like. Um, the Spurs group, we just uh, we kind of expected Spurs to do okay, but it was a bit of a toss-up. Um, and then the other surprise, obviously, is that Juventus went out and Benfica went through. But Benfica are looking like probably one of the best teams in Europe right now. They are looking really good. Um, and they deserve to win that group. You know, the expected goal numbers had um, Benfica finishing top ahead of PSG. So it was no fluke, um, even though it did take a minor miracle at the end of the game against Maccabi Haifa to uh, to go through on away goal scored, which I believe is like the seventh rung of the qualification head-to-head ladder, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> That's something you don't get to do every day. Andrew, what about you? Yeah, it was quite an interesting group stage. Um, people who listened to our preview of it might remember that I was sort of talking about the, the number of times that teams from outside the top two pots go through. It's quite rare. You normally get two or three um, a year. And this season, we had five. I think, obviously, down to the failures of Barcelona, Juventus, Atletico Madrid. Um, we had five teams go through. And we even had two top their groups, which is even rarer. Um, Napoli and Benfica, who, who Jake mentioned, both top their groups which you may not have expected in advance. But as he said, they they absolutely deserve to. I mean, Napoli against Liverpool in Naples. I think I called it that it was going to be difficult for Liverpool. I didn't think it would go quite as badly as it did from, from their perspective. But no, I mean, Napoli were fantastic. Obviously, top of, of Serie A looking very good there. And um, obviously, we'll talk about the draw um, in a minute. But, um, you know, with Eintracht Frankfurt, they will, they will fancy their chances of at least reaching the quarterfinals. So, um, yeah, they're definitely one to watch. And I, I agree with Jake. Um, Benfica have, have looked very good and, you know, it might have taken a last minute goal to get top of the group, but I mean, they certainly deserve to qualify. No, no question about that. Some of the teams that w- were dumped out, uh, Atletico Madrid completely, Juventus, Ajax into the Europa League. I, I, I mean, it was with good reason. I do commiserate and as difficult as it is with Barcelona, like really they outplayed Bayern Munich the first time that they played at the San Siro. San Siro they had, 
a goal somehow taken away and one that was given for Inter, <laughs> which absolutely just boggles my mind. It's just the, the circumstances that saw them being dumped out of this competition. Look, I don't feel bad for them, but I look at Inter Milan. Were they really the second best team in this group that also featured Bayern Munich? I'm not quite sure about that, Jake. No, based on the underlying numbers, it, it was Barcelona that deserved to go through, um, according to expected points anyway. I mean, the, the rest of it, expected goal difference, etc. Um, expected goals for, expected goals against Inter finished above Barcelona on that regard. Um, and also, I, I think Inter Milan didn't try to join the European Super League, so that's one thing that they had going for them, um, <laughs> which is maybe why the dodgy decision was 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 uh, whispered through to VAR that eventually knocks Barcelona out. Um, but yeah, I'm, I don't really feel sorry for them. I mean, they, they've, they've had a summer of turmoil. It was always going to be difficult. Uh, we had it down as a difficult group anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, if they take the Europa League seriously, they should really walk it. I mean, I know you won't like to hear that being a Manchester United fan, but, um, you know, it, it, I don't really have much sympathy for them. It, yeah, no. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. the, the other main focus coming out of the group stage, and, and I think you touched on it out of the gate, Napoli's dominance. Uh, you know, in a, in a in a tricky group with Ajax and Liverpool, this team, both in European play as well as domestically, has exceeded expectations. This is a side that lost Insigne, Mertens, Koulibaly. <laughs> it's like they found even better and younger options to fit into this team. Uh, based on the numbers and everything you, that you, you saw from Napoli, Andrew, is this team... For real, is this team a legitimate contender in this competition? Yeah, I think so. I mean, whether they can go all the way is is one thing. But when you look at the um, expected goal difference in the group stage, Manchester City were top, and um, I had Napoli down as, as second hmm. ahead of everybody else. So I mean, that you know, they they absolutely deserve to to top the group based on that. And I think they were excellent in um, every game. And in what I saw, I mean, Jake was right; they perhaps weren't great in the game at Anfield, but I mean. But for a marginal VAR decision, they could have gone ahead in that. And then maybe, who knows, maybe they see it out and they get six wins from six. But I mean, certainly they, they'd earn the right to not have to try too hard at Anfield anyway with their performance in the group stage. Um, and so whether they can go all the way, I guess they're, they're obviously unproven. But um, on their form so far, you'd have to say it's a possibility. Interesting. Jake, same read on Napoli, contender or pretender? Um, at this moment in time, I'd say contender. Um the later we get into the season, if they're still top of Serie A and they're still looking in that, like they're going to challenge for for the title, which is something I've, I think they've not won for about thirty years now, then it might be a case of them dropping the Champions League ball to to persist with with winning the the Scudetto. So, um, yeah, at this at this moment in time, I think that they've been one of the best teams in the competition, if not the best. Um, and yeah, I, I do really like them. I like the youthful energy they play with. Um, and they seem to have decent depth in the team because they rotated quite a lot in the last three matches. And and still, it wasn't, you know, they obviously won the games because they're, they're better. But um, it is the, the manner of the victories um, against Ajax and, and Rangers in the, the second go around was, was really impressive to say they pretty much had the group sewn up already. So, um, yeah, I, there, there's a lot to like about them. And, and you have to say well done to, to the people high up in the club for... You know, not only losing the the arguably inverted commas better players, but also replacing them with probably players that are as good, if not better, and and that have not yet reached the peaks yet. So um, they're in a very good position moving forward. 
Well, let's kick on and kick on and turn the focus on to the last 16. Draw on some of the feature matchups. And I'm sure Andrew was thrilled about this, as was Jurgen Klopp, as he said, look, we lost last year's final to Real Madrid. Book your tickets already to Istanbul in 2023. We're heading back. Problem is round of 16, he faces the reigning champions in Real Madrid. Um what do you make of this draw for Liverpool? Certainly, they haven't hit the heights, the expected heights they were supposed to hit in the early stages of this season. Real Madrid, they're not on top of the table domestically either, and it seems like they're entirely reliant on Karim Benzema leaving the line. When he comes into the team, they're just not the same. Is it, It's obviously a difficult tie, Andrew, but can you put into context how difficult they may be? Yeah, before the draw was made, I mean, from a Liverpool perspective, I think it was probably the team they least wanted to draw of the four options, just with the recent history and everything. Um, obviously, they they don't have a good record against Real Madrid recently, but in none of those games were they playing at a full Anfield, which um, is a bit of a cliche, but obviously does seem to make a difference in European games. I think the thing that concerns me, though, from a Liverpool perspective is that the second leg is in Madrid, and we saw last season throughout the knockout phase that whatever unlikely position Madrid got themselves into, they were able to turn it around when they were at home. Obviously, a lot will depend on the injury situation at Liverpool. I think if they've got Diaz and Nunes and Salah fit, they could maybe try and do something similar to what they did against Manchester City in 2018, where they were at home first and they basically blew them away in, in the first half. If they've got their sort of younger, fitter players available up front, then, then maybe that's a possibility because I think they will certainly want a decent lead to take to Madrid. I mean, obviously, with all these things that we're, we're talking about today, has to come with the caveat that these games are quite a long way off. There's a World Cup in the way. I mean, we, we don't know what things will be like. Certainly, Liverpool haven't been that great this season. And I think um, it's pretty evenly priced as to who are to go through. I believe Liverpool are narrow favourites last time I, I looked. But I think it's a very difficult one to, to call. Uh, to that point, uh, Jake, I mean, the first leg isn't until February 21st. And it's remarkable when you look at that line and plenty can happen between now and then. But Liverpool as an away underdog, considerable away underdog, they pl- they they pay plus 287 for an away win for Real Madrid when that first leg happens. Is it too early to make that kind of bet like regardless of the situation, understanding that the World Cup, there's plenty of football to be played between now and and towards the end of February, but plus 287, even Real Madrid to advance at minus 101, those numbers jump off the page for me. I'm not sure about you, Jake. Um, Yeah, I'm very hesitant to get involved in this tie at this stage. Um, As I said on on the Premier League Insights podcast, the Liverpool are probably the one team in the future market that I'd have earmarked as potentially outrunning the potential, their odds in def- various different markets because of the injury issues that they've got at the moment that you'd think would be, you know, kind of solved. Obviously, there's the the whole, they're up for sale talk going on at the moment. Um, but if if something happens in the next month, then all of a sudden they might have an injection of cash they can spend in January that, that might, again, change the, the you know, what we expect and what we can see from them. Um, you know, I, I've no doubt in my mind whatsoever that this... Next see next year in the calendar next calendar year of 2023 that Liverpool will be better than what we've seen so far this season. I've no doubt in my mind they can't get any worse, um, and I, I don't mean that in a in a really negative way because they've actually done really well to get as many points on the board as they have given the performances they put in. 
Um, but it, it can only get better from here. Um, the Infocom model's actually got Liverpool as the favourites to to advance as well, so pretty much in line with the market. Um, and I think, I think that just goes down to a little bit of the fact that we think Liverpool will get back to some kind of level that, that we saw over the last couple of years. And, and Real Madrid, we didn't really rate them that highly last season when they won it. They were very lucky based on the underlying metrics, which obviously you need in what is a, effectively a knockout competition at this stage. Um, but that kind of luck is is unsustainable. Like, you know, um, even when they, they won a couple of back-to-backs, they were the best team in the competition. It wasn't like they were fluking it every, every single round. But last year, it felt like they were getting really lucky every single round. And, and that kind of thing is just, it's just not sustainable over a long period of time. So, um, yeah, I'd give, I'd give Liverpool an edge, but I, I'm not going to have a, a play on this at this stage. Um, I've got some else elsewhere, but... This one, I'm looking forward to the tie. It's going to be a great tie, but no bet for me on this. Yeah, see, if you're going to give me nearly even odds for Real Madrid to advance having the, the second game at home, I'm, I'm all over that with all due respect to Liverpool. They can get better, but really, Van Dijk has been playing, Robertson the majority of the year, Trenardo. We know what this team is from a defensive perspective in their frailties. Again, what is a massive liability in this Liverpool side? It's an unathletic midfield that's doesn't have a whole lot of legs. If they don't address that issue in January, this Real Madrid midfield is all action. And you're, if you want to talk about, you know, mismatches, Vinicius going down that left side against, you know, Trent, that's, that jumps off the page to me, just skewing in Real Madrid's favor. So I know it's early. I know it's a lot, a lot, you know, is going to play out between now and towards the end of February, but almost even odds, Andrew, it seems to me that Real Madrid it should be a deserved favorite based on context in the matchup. Yeah, when you put it like that, I mean, it does make a lot of sense. As you say, I mean, Liverpool may um, maybe sign a, a midfielder in January, let's say, but one midfielder isn't going to address their issues. I mean, so far this season, they've not had any midfield minutes from anybody aged 22 to 28. Everybody's either starting out in their career or a veteran. And that's fine to a point. You know, they want to sign Jude Bellingham and he's not going to address that age issue um, as good as he is, you know. But but that's a glaring sort of hole in the middle of their squad is sort of peak age midfielders. They don't have any. And even if they get one on uh, in January, they're not going to have lots and, and things like that. So so you make a very good point. And obviously there is always the, the sort of Trent Alexander-Arnold um, issue, which I think gets overplayed somewhat. But clearly teams can target him and uh, Real Madrid have got the, the right player to do it. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't put you off backing uh, Real Madrid at this point as much as it sort of pains me to say it. But um, I think as Jake says, a lot can change between now and then. So so let's sort of see what happens. So, so there's co-feature matchups in the round of 16. That's one of them. PSG, Bayern Munich has to be the other, right? Like PSG, incredibly difficult round of 16 ties in back-to-back years. Real Madrid last year. Now you have Bayern Munich, uh, one of the presumptive favorites as well in this competition. PSG plus 128 to win leg one. Um, and obviously these two sides met in the 2020 final as well. Um, is there any value backing either side in this tie, Jake? Yeah, yeah. I'm going with Bayern Munich all day long. Um, you know, I, I liked PSG at the start of the tournament. Um, I also liked Bayern Munich. Didn't think they'd be playing each other at this stage. Um, but that's the punishment you get for PSG finishing second. You know, I know I know you could argue that it was a little bit unfortunate that Benfica had to win by a five-goal margin on the final day to, to progress. Um, but... 
ultimately that's your punishment for for not beating Benfica in one of those two games, and and it could have been so much sweeter, couldn't it? They could have drawn Bruges instead of Bayern Munich. So, um, yeah, I I like Bayern Munich to qualify. I think the price minus one forty five. Um, the Infogol model has it at minus one fifty five, so a little bit shorter, uh, which suggests it's a value play. Um, and in the first leg, I mean, Bayern Munich plus naught on the Asian handicap, you're getting a plus number. That'll do for me. Andrew, you're nodding in agreement, it looks like. Yeah, there's not much I can add to that, really. I was going to pick out Bayern Munich to win, looking down the list of the, the first leg um, matches that we're, that we're going to have in February. I mean, that stands out a mile, I think. PSG don't have a particularly strong record, even in in um, when you look at their record in home first legs in the Champions League knockout. Um, quite a few defeats and draws and things in in recent years. So it wouldn't surprise me if if Bayern Munich won that um, relatively easily. Uh, so yeah, that I wow. have to go along with Jake entirely there. I think that's a good bet. I've been looking at this the other way. I'm not even trying to play contrarian here. It's just. <laughs> Are you sure I, I, this is two for two now, Gareth? I, I look at Bayern Munich. I think this is a side that desperately needs to reinforce. Um, I think they're overplaying their players. They've done it often this season. Davies at left back, Mane going down leading into the World Cup as well. I'm not sure why these players are playing so much in a league where they continue to go on domestically and win the title each and every year. The last 10 years, they've gone on to win the Bundesliga by an average of 14 points over those 10 years, yet there's very little squad rotation under Julian Nagelsmann. I, I, I just don't think that everything's on the up and up. No Lewandowski this time around. This PSG side is loaded, like absolutely loaded, and look, look a much more complete side than they did last year. I'm not sure what the numbers show you or tell you about the group stage or what they're doing domestically, gentlemen, but this PSG side seems like it has more balance and substance in it this time around where we might be coming up with a much more evenly played tie than the perception or the Bayern Munich is this dominant force in PSG or a bunch of chokers where, where that mentality comes from. And, and, and that those labels are well-deserved, but I just think this season, Jake, the context might be a little bit different. Um, it might be. Uh, I'm, I don't. I don't buy. He's so that convinced. Personally. Yeah, I just. I just think that there, there. There's always the drama overhanging PSG, the Mbappe things, the Neymar things. It's just like you know, just play together. Like you, you, they're good players. Like just, just go out and win football matches. And uh, at the very start of the season, the underlying process was really good, and I thought that they they found it. It clicked. Um, the new coach Galtier made a made a big change, good but. Coach. Recently, um, yeah, it's, it's not been as impressive. They're not been as, as dominant um, in the Champions League, as I mentioned. They deserve to finish second behind Benfica. Their expected goal numbers, they, they've generated just 8.9 expected goals in six matches. So you look at one and a half, just over one and a half a game. That's no good. Um, they're playing a Juventus team that are, are rubbish, uh, a Maccabi Haifa team that basically got whipped in every other game. Um, and they can't create good chances. And and, ben, and defensively, it was pretty much the same figure, 8.6. So finish with an expected goal difference of 0.3. That's rubbish. I mean, recent seasons, this PSG team were putting up expected goal difference of nearly 10 every group stage. Um, you know, to, to, basically what I'm trying to say is that they've not been as dominant as what the scorelines have suggested in these matches. And um, I don't even see that as a very competitive group, really. I think they should have won that group quite easily. Um, and yeah, I, I'm I'm not bought into them at all. And Bayern Munich, on the flip side, made really light work of what could have been a really tough group. I, I rate Inter Milan a lot higher than Juventus. Um, 
Yeah. I know Juventus beat Inter Milan at the weekend, but the one-off games you can't read too much into. Um, and Barcelona, I mean, as you said, they're top of La Liga at the moment. They're ahead of Real Madrid. Um, they had a couple of bad beats in this group stage. Um, and Bayern Munich just made that group stage look an absolute cakewalk, didn't they? They really did um, make a statement. I just think that they've they've got that really nice fluid nature to the play at the moment. You know, yesteryear it was all Lewandowski and he was the focal point, whereas now you've got a lot more different angles of attack that I think will cause PSG a lot of problems. Um, and I actually think the squad's deeper than you think. Um, I think there's a, there's a lot more quality in there um, uh, than, than what people might think. There's, just by, like people might not have heard of them, you know, Eric Chupamoting. I mean, he's a very good, he's a familiar name because it's a, an unusual name, but he's, he's coming to the team. He can't stop scoring. Uh, he suits that kind of fluid system. Um, and yeah, I, I think that they, I think that Bayern Munich will, will progress. I, I've still got them as, as my value player to win it all. Um, I really do. I think that they're, um, they're a little bit too big at plus 700 and, and the, you know, the number's been inflated by this draw. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to win this argument, so I'm just going to keep quiet and let you two share your plays and what stands out to you about the draw. Um, are there any, is there any first leg value to be had here or teams to advance? Uh, I'll let you two dictate what games you want to focus on and what's caught your eye and where there might be some value. I'll start with you, Andrew. Well, I'm not sure if it's too much value, but I think Benfica to win at Bruges at plus 106 looks pretty good to me. I think um, Bruges, whether they were fortunate to go through, but their their underlying numbers um, were not great. And obviously Benfica have been playing incredibly well, as we've said, and uh, obviously topped the group with PSG and Juventus. So that's one that caught my eye straight away. Um, I, when the draw was made, I tweeted that I thought Benfica would destroy Bruges. And I got some comeback on that saying, no, no, you haven't seen Bruges or whatever. But the numbers look like uh, Benfica will um, will certainly uh, beat them easily enough. So that's good enough for me. So I think um, that's, that's probably the one that first caught my eye. Canadians are hoping that you're wrong. Tejan Buchanan, Kyle Lahren, about to make their name on the world stage at the World Cup. Uh, Bruges, yes, the numbers were difficult, but this team, there's balance in that group. But I'm with you. Benfica looked very convincing over the course of the group stage. Would you concur? Do you agree, Jake? Uh, also, where else do you want to take us in terms of the uh, the round of 16 and uh, and what caught your eye? Yeah, I, I've got the same bet down. Benfica to win leg one at Bruges. I think they'll they'll, they'll have no problem brushing them aside. Um, I think another another team that's been exceptionally well run over the last few years. You know, they sold Darwin Nunes. They've reinvested it well. They've got a good youth academy. They're bringing through um, good forward players. Ramos is the, is the striker who's filling the, the the void left by Nunes. He looks really good. Um, yeah, I just thought it worth mentioning that obviously in the in the futures market, Benfica to qualify is minus three oh nine, which is. It's a pretty short price, um, but that that implies a probability of seventy six percent rounded up to to qualify. The Infocore model has it at eighty eight percent for Benfica to qualify, which would be odds of minus seven four seven. Um, so a little airplane number for you there. Um, but yeah, they're, they're just we're basically expecting Benfica to dominate Bruges and qualify with ease, and I think that they should be a little bit shorter. Um, the same with Napoli, not to the same extent, uh, but against Frankfurt. Infocol's got them at minus two seventy-seven and currently two minus two sixty-nine on the on the market. So there's a little bit of value in, in backing Napoli to qualify. And the other one that I'd highlighted was um another Portuguese team, Porto, to qualify. Uh, you're getting them at a plus number against Inter Milan, plus one twelve. 
the model's got it plus 101. So there's value there. I think that Porto are, um, again, like Benfica, one of those teams that people just consistently underestimate. They've made so many big scalps in recent years. Um, you know, I mean, Benfica, they got to the semi uh, quarterfinals, didn't they? Last season, they got beat by Liverpool. Um, Porto got to the semi uh, quarterfinals as well a couple of years ago. I think they progressed past Juventus. Um, so they, you know, they, they, it's, it's not like they could just get to the last 16 and then get beaten. Um, and, and yeah, the manner in which they turned that that group stage around for them, they lost the first two matches and they came straight out of the blocks then and, and won four in a row to top the group. So, um, yeah, they, they're a very good side. And I think the other thing that might help Porto at this. Um, this juncture is the fact that there's every chance, given the pace that Benfica are setting in the in the Portuguese Premier League, that the title might be over. It might be all eggs in the Champions League basket for Porto because at the moment, we're 12 games into the season, they're already eight points behind Benfica because Benfica are just rapid pace. Um, and by the time you get to February, if if that's 18 games, 20 games into the season, and you're looking at 10, 15 points, all of a sudden Porto will just you know start rotating the league go a little bit harder in the Champions League. So I just thought that plus number about Porto against an Inter Milan team who have a bit of a scrap on their hands to get into the top four in Italy this season. Looks a little bit big. Um, Porto was my most profitable and favorite play from the group stage to win their group. I just didn't think there was a lot of quality there. They ended up pulling it out in the end. It was dicey. Canadian, another Canadian player, central midfielder Stephen Eustachio is, is turning into a real force in that midfield. I like them to advance, to advance from um, fr- from this tie, plus 112. I-, I circled that right away. I don't think there's much that separates them um, between them and Inter Milan. I-, I also circled two struggling English sides and their round of 16 matchups as well. Uh, Borussia Dortmund and Chelsea. Uh, Dortmund plus 160 to advance. I mean... Uh, I don't know about you guys. I'm, I'm not convinced by this Chelsea side under Graham Potter. I think Dortmund's a decent enough side that has a chance to go on and advance. Same thing with AC Milan and, and Spurs. I mean, Spurs are struggling. They're a side that, you know, absolutely needs to invest more into their team. I just don't think that they're as good as people make them out to be. Milan, I mean, their hopes were dashed by sendings off and just awkward games, two games against Chelsea, which everything went against them. Other than that, they look a pretty convincing side. Um, Andrew, what do you make of those two English sides? Because both of them scuffling heading into the world cup break and they don't have the most difficult opponents, but ones that can cause some problems. Yeah, I think you're right with, with Tottenham and Chelsea. Um, Neither team has been playing particularly well. I think they'll be grateful of the, of the World Cup break to perhaps have a bit of a reset and go again. I mean, there's there's sort of different question marks, but question marks over the, the managers. I mean, Antonio Conte has a poor record in the Champions League knockout phase, despite managing, you know, Juventus and Inter and Chelsea in that. And obviously Graham Potter has has no sort of experience at that level, which is not to say that, you know, neither of them can can navigate those ties, but it's it's sort of a question mark that's that's over them. And, and as we've said, they've not been playing particularly well in the Premier League of late. So I think, you know, I look at both of those, AC Milan and Borussia Dortmund to advance, uh, Milan 133, Dortmund 160. And I think both of them um, stand a very good chance of going through. Um, I'm not sure if Jake agrees. We've been agreeing so far, but he might, uh, <laughs> maybe not this one. I'm not sure. Um, I agree that Chelsea are too short. I still think they'll get through because I, I don't really rate this Dortmund team that highly. Uh, I know they caused Man City a few problems, but 
I think that, I mean, that their league position in particular, the kind of underlying numbers they're putting up in a Bundesliga that is, you know, not that full of quality uh, is a little bit of a concern. But by the same token, as we've discussed a lot on the Premier League Insights podcast, Chelsea's underlying numbers have been horrific since Graham Potter took charge. So there's a lot that needs to change from a Chelsea point of things to uh, make me think that they're a bet at this price. Um, I definitely would be leaning more towards Dortmund at the price, but I, I, I've got no particular play in that one. The Spurs one I find really interesting because we were all we were all quite bullish on AC Milan's price and chances of winning the group in, uh, with with Chelsea, um, and you know arguably they probably should have. I mean that that performance at Stamford Bridge. I can excuse a little bit because they were missing a lot of key players. Um, you know, the fullbacks were missing, a couple of central midfielders. Um, and then they've obviously at the at the San Siro, the game's over, isn't it? After the the, the red card, which was harsh to say the least. Um, and then the, you know, the old double the double punishment, which um I thought was something the referees were stopped doing. Um but yeah, I, I think that's probably the one I'd look at really as as the one team that could get upset. Um, and that's that's Milan to do Tottenham. I think I think that the, the the gap between the two teams isn't as big as what the odds are suggesting. I think Milan. I mean, we're talking about the champions of Italy. They, they've got some really good players, um, and they, I I think that they're a more consistent team than Spurs. Um, Spurs, you don't really know what you're going to get at the moment from um, you know game to game. I think the fact that this schedule is going to be tight after the World Cup heading into these Champions League fixtures is only going to be a negative for Spurs because Conte rides his players so hard. Um, I I think that Milan are probably the one I do look at and think that that could be a potential big plus plus number uh, winner. If if Harry Kane's exhausted now, fast forward to February, (laughs) good luck. I mean, of of the eight sides, you know, the top seeds, I think AC Milan got the one that you want to be honest with you, and I'm putting Porto and Benfica into, and Napoli in that basket. T- to me, they're the most vulnerable side. I mean, Andrew, th- in the group stage, to say that Spurs limped across the line, parking the bus at Marseille, like, it, it was just, it-, it doesn't fill you with confidence in this side going into the round of 16. No, it was uh, it was certainly an interesting end to their group, wasn't it? I think, uh, <laughs> interesting. Sort of, I think everybody yeah. topped the group at some point during the match. It was it was sort of pretty chaotic. Um, yeah, but you're absolutely right. I mean, they, they they don't inspire too much confidence at the moment, and it's unlikely that's going to change too much by February, as you say. You know, Kane, uh, depending on how England do at the World Cup, he'll just be playing sort of straight through. Son's son is, I think, going to make the World Cup, uh, but obviously he's got the responsibility of uh, leading his nation. And all right, they might not go so far, but you know he's uh, he's played a lot and not looked at his best this season. So um, yeah, it's uh, I wouldn't say they were fortunate to get through, but obviously on that last day anything could have happened, and, and sort of nearly did their their approach for a game that they should really have have won easily. You would think. Um, wasn't great. So, yeah, you think they, uh, they're they going to have to improve. And, um, yeah, Milan looks a good bet to me. Anything else to, to point out around the, about these round of 16 matchups? Obviously, everything domestically, European Cup competition, all going to be affected by the World Cup. I'm not sure if either of you have any insights on how that might influence the market, how that might influence your leans or your plays. Uh, what does it all mean, Andrew? 
I think the most important thing is going to be the the injuries afterwards or how sort of fit players are, how tired they are um, when, when February comes around. I mean, as we said, they go straight back into games after the World Cup, two games a week, every week um, for the top sides until, until they reach um, February and when the Champions League comes around. So... It, it may not be what we see in the World Cup. It might be what we see sort of happening in, in January that's going to have a bigger impact, the sort of aftermath of the World Cup and how teams and players are looking then. But it's an absolute wildcard factor at this point because obviously we've never had a mid-season um, World Cup. So we just don't really know how it's going to go. Um, it will be interesting to see, obviously, how it plays out. But yeah, I think looking in January is probably more used than, than perhaps trying to guess now, I think. Jake, any insights there? Um, not really too much to add. No, I think I think we're all kind of in line with what we think is going to be a massive contributing factor, which is a schedule. Um, I think the flip side of that is if you've got a bigger squad, you're probably more likely to do well in this competition. Um, which is probably is one of the main reasons why Manchester City are really short favourites, uh, plus one sixty to win the whole thing. I still think that's a bit short for City. Um, I know that they've got the you know the Terminator up front, but. You know, the Infocom model makes them a plus 308, which, you know, that shows that the 160 available is just not value whatsoever. Uh, There's too many hurdles to, to 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 get over, too many good teams that you have to potentially beat. Um, and yeah, I, I, I still I still think that in this this season of all seasons, I think ha- playing in a rubbish league is going to be massively beneficial. Being able to rest your players for league matches. Um, and and play them in the Champions League will be quite huge. So whoever comes through the PSG and Bayern Munich um, tie, I think will have a real advantage because the likelihood is that they'd have both league titles sewn up pretty early doors. Um, and it could be something that plays into Benfica's hands as well. I mean, lively outsider at plus 2,500. They've got a very, you know, what we all think they're going to breeze through that tie against Bruges. If they do that, you're into the quarterfinal stage. Anything can happen then. So do you back them now? And then lay them to qualify in the next three rounds and, and leave yourself on a nice profit if they do win it. Maybe. Good segue uh, into the futures market for Champions League winner. Uh, perhaps it will be the Terminator. I'll be back. And actually, the winter break <laughs> might actually be decent for Erling Holland because one thing over his young career, he's only kryptonite as being injury that that's kept him out from time to time. That's about it. You mentioned it, Jake. City, the shortest odds to win the Champions League before the group stage, plus 175. Now it's at plus 162. But betting on City to win the Champions League, it always sounds good when you're making that bet. But the fact that it's never played, uh, that's another story. The second and third favorites, Bayern Munich and PSG, both play one another. So what's the strategy there if you favor one of either one of those teams to go on and win it? Do you wait? Or do you try to make that play now and just really get behind one of those sides to to, to advance from that tie? Napoli are plus 1,200 in terms of them to go on and win the Champions League. And they've honestly been, in a lot of people's opinion, have been the best team in the Champions League so far. So looking at these futures market, Andrew, is there a backable number? Understanding we have the World Cup, plenty of uh, domestic football to be played. Is there a backable number for you in terms of where things stand right now? Yeah, I mean, I'd be on Bayern Munich at plus 700. I mean, we've sort of discussed their tie with PSG. Whoever wins that, their price is going to come down quite a bit. You won't get plus 700 on Bayern Munich if they if they get through PSG, as we as we suspect. So they would be the, the pick for me as they were at the start of competition. Nothing's really sort of changed my mind on that. 
Um, and obviously, that assuming they go through, that would then reduce the prices of the teams behind them as well, of course. Liverpool and Real Madrid are next to each other in the market as well. So, you know, if anyone has a strong feeling on that, then it's probably time to, to back one of those teams as well. Napoli at 1,200, I mean, I think you would think they would probably focus more on Serie A if they're still in the running um, sort of in the spring because of how long it's been since since they've won it. And, it. and it probably matters a bit more to them. I'm not sure. I mean, easy to say that winning the Champions League wouldn't be uh, bad if they did that as well, of course. But um, no, it's, it's got to be Bayern Munich for me at this point because I think they'll get through against PSG. And uh, as I say, you won't get that price again. Jake? Yeah, Bayern Munich would be my main play right now. Um, I, I think if, you, if you're going to have a bet on... Uh, on Bayern Munich, I would I would do it now. I don't think you're going to get a bigger price. Um, if they get through PSG, it's only going to shorten it. And and if they beat PSG, it will shorten even further. I mean, you might be looking at around plus two hundred. It might be just be tucked in behind Manchester City. So, um, yeah, I'm 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 really riding that Bayern Munich train. Uh, I think Benfica are worth a small outside play. Yep. I really plus do. Plus twenty five hundred. Um, it's it's a big price that they they've got you know a. I don't want to do Bruges a disservice, but it's a very winnable tie that you'd expect them to come through. And and again, if you make it to the to the quarterfinals, the your odds are going to reduce automatically. Um, I also think Porto were really big, plus ten thousand. Uh, I mentioned that I think they can get past into Milan, and if they do that, then they're one of those teams that'll be really difficult to 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 knock out and, and could be a, a live wild card. And then AC Milan, I think we touched on as well, the team that we think is going to. Potentially get past Spurs, they could be another team that 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 outrun their odds at plus five thousand. That's what I was going to ask or suggest. Is that this weird and wonky World Cup year where it's in November, December? Like perhaps this sets the table for something much more unpredictable to play out. I mean, we've been there before—a Porto Monaco final. Like we, we, we. It's not as if it's unprecedented for outside teams to go on a little bit of a run. Uh, the luck of the draw certainly plays a factor here, but of those teams, and, and Jake mentioned a couple of the, the long shots there. Is it Benfica? Is it Porto? Is it AC Milan? Is there any one of those sides that you think just based upon the context, Andrew, that you can justify making a play? I'm not sure. I mean, obviously we don't know quite how the context will play out. It's going to have to be quite a big factor. I think just when you look at the more recent history of the competition, obviously you mentioned we did have a, a Monaco Porto final, but that was nearly 20 years ago now. I mean, the, the biggest teams do tend to make it through to the final um, every year. So whilst there is a chance for them, I wouldn't be going on any of the outsiders just yet. I think, you know, who knows if they'll pick up injuries and things like that. And I think, the cream normally rises to the top and I, and I suspect it will again, just because they tend to have the stronger squads. So um, you you can make a case for these teams going far, but actually going all the way, I, I would still be, uh, I would still be reticent to get involved in that. I kind of feel the same way. Um, your justification, get Bayern Munich while you can at plus 700. I kind of feel the same way for Real Madrid, the champs plus 1200. It seems a big number for me. I, I understand we, we we documented it, the numbers, the process, but that side, it's very deep. It's very good. They know how to win. If they get past Liverpool, things could open up nicely for them as well. One final note, um, obviously injuries and you know domestic form is going to um, have a big impact. How much of an impact does the transfer market have as well? Uh, is is that something meaningful or do you expect it to be purposeful this time around the moves that 
could or may be made? Are we expecting more movement coming out of this Winter World Cup or less? Um, is that an influence at all that you're looking at, Jake? Um, not really, no. Uh, not at the top of the market, anyway. I don't think too much will change at the top of the market. The, the teams in behind, the likes of Liverpool, if they were to strengthen in January, would probably change my opinion a little bit. Um, same with Chelsea and Spurs. But yeah, I'm, I'm more focused on, um, you know, I, I think that the the outsiders have got a chance of going far. I agree with Andrew. I don't think they're going to win it. Um, and the re- it's my same thinking for the World Cup is that such a congested schedule suits the teams with the best squads. Um, and then we've not even mentioned the fact that there's five substitutes rule, which again, just suits the big teams. It allows them to change half the players. I mean, if there's ever an advantage in a, a season where so much football is being played, it's definitely going to be to the teams that have got the biggest, the deepest, the best quality squads, um, which is why I'm, I'm, I can't really get past Bayern Munich. I think City will go deep. I just think that the price is just not, it's not backable right now. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think, yeah, the likes of Liverpool, they've got a, a fairly deep squad. Is it deep with quality? You know, debatable. Uh, Real Madrid, I agree with you. I think they've got one of the better squads in the competition. Is it of the same quality from a starting eleven standpoint? The likes of Bayern Munich uh, and City, I think it's just a tick below, personally. Um, then there's PSG, who were just an absolute wild card. I mean, they are literally the, they're the one team that I would... I, I fear betting against because they, they've got players in in that front three that can just turn a game on the head with magic moments. Um, not many teams in this competition have got that. Not three of them anyway. I mean, you know, Neymar, Messi and Mbappe. But I, I just think as a team, Bayern Munich are a better team and will progress. But yeah. yeah. And after Messi wins the World Cup with Argentina, who knows where <laughs> his head will, will be at. It, it's not just about the big dogs adding. Uh, the World Cup's a showcase. We see it each and every competition that the value of certain players comes to the forefront. Do some of these teams that are in the mix end up selling? Victor Osimhen has been a name that's been linked to a number of different sides. He plays for Napoli, Benfica, Porto. These are selling clubs, Andrew. So, you know, while you're looking at the big teams, I can only think that they might strengthen or be in a position to do so. Some of these smaller clubs, you know, they're in the market to go on and sell their players and values are always lifted or oftentimes lifted coming out of a World Cup as well. Yeah, we saw it last season talking about, you know, teams improving. Liverpool signed Luis Diaz from from Porto and uh, he gave them quite a boost. Not enough to win the Champions League, unfortunately, but uh, they, they did improve with him in the team and obviously that weakened Porto. And it's very it's plausible that the same thing could happen again. Um, that's why... Again, another reason to be to be wary of the of the smaller sides because they could lose a key player and they just can't absorb that as well as the as the bigger teams can with the deeper squads. And uh, it's always a bit of a shame when it happens, but it, I guess it's just the sort of football food chain. It's uh, seems it happens every season, and it and it could easily happen again. You know, teams could be looking for reinforcements after the World Cup, depending on what happens. So yeah, some of those players could be on the move. Jake, any final insights or things that you want to point out here? Um, no, just that the, the the smaller clubs will be very happy if the big club, clubs come calling in January because the price is going to be through the roof and, and ultimately that's what they that's what they do. They they sell they buy low, sell high, reinvest and do it all again and still compete at a really high level. Um so yeah, I, I think hey Andrew's right. I think that there could be some really good talent that's picked off in January, but for a premium price. Um and and, and that will weaken those kind of lesser sides, if you like. Um but no, I'm just looking forward to to some of the ties. I think some of the ties are 
are going to be really, really good watches. Um, and there's quite a lot. There's not many that you look at and go, that's very one-sided. I think there's quite a few that are, that are tired. There's, there's only really the Benfica, Napoli, and probably Man City that you think are going to be quite one-sided. The rest look very even um, in terms of who could potentially progress. And, and I think that makes for a good, a good knockout round. Uh, anything we missed, Andrew? Any other number that we should point out here? No, I think we've covered everything, really. Uh, you know, with so many uncertainties, you, you don't want to go too far at this point. But uh, no, I think I think we've uh, pretty confident we've called it correctly. But we'll uh, have to wait till February to find out, of course. Oh, I I cannot wait. I've already circled my plays. Dortmund first leg victory over Chelsea at plus one sixty seven. Dortmund a difficult place to play. I like Porto to advance at plus 112. I like Milan to advance at plus 133. I like Madrid to advance. Just about even odds now. And let's see what happens with Bayern Munich players at this upcoming World Cup. PSG at plus 120 might be a sneaky good number to advance. Um, I don't. I feel awkward me having the final word because you're the ones with the actual insights. I'm just the one with larger-than-life opinions. Jake, bring us home here. Yeah, all the bees, Bayern Munich, Benfica, they're going, up. They're going through, don't we, about all it? Right. And Brentford and Brighton and who else? Yes, also very and, good. And, and, Bra- yeah. and Brazil at the Brazil. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, anything well, it's else? Been brilliant. Want, do you want to pick another letter? Maybe M, Munich, Manchester? Does that work? It looks like it might. And obviously, with uh, Benfica playing Bruges, we've got a B's face off there. So, how do you possibly call it when it's two teams with the same letter? You know, it's impossible. <laughs> right on. Oh, well, I'll give this podcast an A. How about that? Maybe not an A plus. I don't want to be cocky. An A minus might suit us good for today. You can follow Andrew along. You can follow and read his fine work, by the way, at pinnacle.com. Plenty of World Cup and Champions League insights. Follow him on Twitter, base tuned to red. Jake at Jake Oz. My co-host on the EPL Insights podcast, uh, Sporting Life, Info Goal. He is just crushing it. Myself, at Gareth Wheeler. You can follow Pinnacle on Twitter, at Pinnacle. Pinnacle Sports on YouTube, at Pinnacle Sports. Uh, Odds were correct at the time of our recording. And as always, please gamble responsibly. It's been a pleasure, gentlemen. We'll get back together after the round of 16 and make sense of it all. On behalf of Jake and Andrew and everyone at Pinnacle, I am Gareth Wheeler. This has been the UCL Betting Blueprint.